with us today. Well, hey, just a couple quick announcements for you this morning. I wanted to remind you about an exciting weekend coming up next Sunday here at Lakes Free Church. We're going to be having our baptism services uh, next Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.30. We have uh, people being baptized at both of those two hours. So uh, no matter which of the two services you come to, you'll have the opportunity to hear uh, some great testimonies. And then uh, if you'd like, at the end of the service, we're going to invite you to join us outside, and we're going to have the baptism pool set up out there and we'll gather around and uh, celebrate those individuals uh, taking that step of faith that act of obedience to be baptized it's going to be a great morning as we celebrate with them and their families and their spiritual family here at lakes free so i want to invite you to, to join us next week for that those are they'll be at 8 30 and 10 30 and then if you are able to join us later that afternoon uh, next sunday at 4 p.m from 4 to 5 30 we're going to be having an open house down on the other end of the building to uh, show you our renovation project that we've been undertaking here over the course of the summer. Uh, man, some awesome things have happened, and uh, the church is just looking fabulous, and we're almost wrapped up. We're, I, I, we're going to be working hard to get everything completed this week. There may be some uh, finishing touches yet to, uh, to work on, but you'll be able to come next week and see uh, really a uh, great uh, vision of all that's been accomplished here in recent months, so we're really excited about that, and uh, Again, we thank all of you for your support of that renovation project uh, this past year through your financial giving, those of you who have volunteered and helped in those projects. Uh, it's just been such a great blessing, and uh, we invite you to continue to pray. We like I said, we still have a little work to do. Uh, we're, we're still not quite fully funded. We've come real close to reaching our fundraising goal, so that's something you can consider prayerfully giving towards our uh, renovation projects. But uh, God has been truly faithful and really good and we're so excited September 13th we're moving back into our worship center our sanctuary it's going to be awesome we're really excited about that so yeah praise God all right well, hey, let me just say a quick word. I know we've got a bunch of young families here with little kids. We love having you guys with us this morning. We love having the kids in here with, uh, with us for worship. Let me just say, if, if for any reason during our worship service, if your kids need to stand up, stretch their legs, get out of the room for a time, uh, we have an overflow area set up out here in our commons. We also have room 233 upstairs with audio and video available. So uh, please know, don't feel bad if you need to make your way out of the, the sanctuary here this morning to do so. Uh, we bless you in that. We give you the freedom to do that. But again, we're just, uh, we're so glad to have all of you families with us today. So thanks for being a part of worship with us. I'm going to ask the Lord to bless our time now as we turn our attention back to his word and continue on in our series in the life of Joseph. Uh, today we are going to be looking at the, the final chapter in Joseph's father's life, Jacob, uh, the one who God had changed his name to Israel. The, the father of the nation of Israel, and uh, we're going to see today Jacob's final blessing on his son Joseph and his grandsons uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, and uh, it's a great passage that's going to, I believe, really encourage each of us when we consider how we too can leave a spiritual heritage for our families, leave a legacy of faith for, for our families, and, and even those of us who may not have kids of our own, how we can invest in the next generation seeking to leave a legacy of faith in the people that we have an opportunity to have an influence in. So join me in a word of prayer, and let's ask God's blessing this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for today. We're so thankful to be here to worship you. God, you are so good to us, and we lift your name on high. We praise your name. Uh, you truly are worthy, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray now that as we turn to your word, that you would open our eyes, that you would uh, open our spirits, humble our hearts before you. May we be receptive to what your word has to share with us and teach us and encourage us in today. Lord, we thank you so much for this series this summer and all that we've learned through the, the, the life of Joseph and your faithfulness and work in his life and, and in, in his father Jacob's life, Israel's life. Lord, as we turn today to this final chapter of his 
life, God. I pray that you would encourage us and give us, give us some unique insights, Lord, that we can apply to our own lives as we seek to live faithfully and, and, and leave a legacy of faith for the people that you have given us in our lives to influence, whether it's children or grandchildren or even, even other kids in our lives that we can speak into uh, a testimony of faith, Lord. Encourage us through the example of Jacob in this final scene he has with his family, Joseph and his grandsons. So we just lift, uh, lift all of this up to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things that uh, I have always been most proud of in my own personal spiritual heritage and in my family's legacy, uh, one, of, one of the things that's really unique in, in my life is the reality that I am a fifth-generation Christian minister. That, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. I, and I'm not saying that in any boastful way, in any bragging way. I, I'm truly just humbled by God's grace when I think back on how he has worked in, in the life of my family uh, over the generations. But, but going back five generations, God has used the men and women in my family to serve him in a variety of ways. My great-great-grandfather was a traveling, circuit-riding evangelist with the Salvation Army in Sweden. He traveled the countryside on horseback, going from village to village, sharing the gospel. And, uh, you know, how, how cool is that, you know, to be a circuit-riding evangelist? And, uh, and then my great-grandfather, who emigrated here to the United States, uh, he was a lay pastor, an elder in his church in upstate New York his whole life. He was a, he was a butcher by profession, but he faithfully served the Lord his entire life, serving the church, pastoring in his church. And then my grandfather, Harold Carlson, was, uh, was a Baptist minister for 60 years, uh, serving the Lord in a variety of churches across the country. He was the, the founding pastor of Calvary Baptist Church here in Roseville, Minnesota. Uh, he served at Grace Church in Edina for about five years, which is now Grace Church in Eden Prairie, the huge mega church. Uh, most of his ministry was in Southern California. He pastored a church called First Baptist Church of Lakewood in one of the suburbs of Los Angeles. And uh, at the time, back in the 1950s and 60s, it was at one time the fastest growing church in America. America. And uh, God used his ministry in powerful ways. Later in his life, he would move to Northern California, where he, uh, for uh, over 15 years, pastored uh, uh, Fair Oaks Baptist Church in Walnut Creek, California. Some of you know John Renneker from the local coffee shop. John Renneker grew up in my grandfather's church there at, uh, at uh, Fair Oaks Baptist. And then, uh, and then my father, Ron Carlson, was a Christian apologist and an evangelist for his whole life. He, uh, his whole ministry uh, traveled the world to over 80 countries, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, contending for the faith, teaching Christians and mission organizations and churches how to uh, defend their faith and share their faith with others. And uh, I was blessed growing up with him and his ministry to travel all over the world and be a part of that. And, uh, you know, I just think what a, what a great legacy. And then now in my own life, obviously God has led me into the ministry, serving as a, as a pastor now for over 20 years. And uh, not only myself, but my younger brother Jared, he is also a senior pastor at, at uh, Grace Point Church in New Brighton. And, you know, I think back on this legacy in my family, and, and I'm so thankful for what God has done uh, in the life of my family. Sometimes people ask my brother and I, you know, Jason, Jared, did you guys ever feel pressure to go into the ministry? I mean, with this, with this background, this legacy of ministers in your family, did, did you ever feel like there was a pressure and expectation to, to do the same thing? And in all honesty, friends, I can tell you, I never once felt pressured or burdened or guilted into going into ministry. Uh, God put this call on my life when I was in my college years. Uh, I started out in college thinking I was going to go a different direction, but as I got into my college years and was volunteering in a youth group at my home church in Eden Prairie, uh, God began to stir within me a desire and a passion to serve a, a, as a minister of the gospel. And, and so uh, one of the things that I attribute to that calling is having grown up in a legacy of faith and having seen such a positive example of Christian ministry. 
you know, my grandpa, my dad, uh, they always showed me the joy of serving him in ministry. I never saw it as something that was a burden, something that was, uh, you know, a, a trial, but it was always a great joy and privilege to minister to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to serve his church. And so for me, it was just a, it was just a natural thing to, uh, to make, that, uh, make that move and, and uh, follow God's call in my life to go into the ministry. You know, I want to encourage each of us here this morning. God is not going to call all of us or all of our kids or all of our grandkids into uh, lifetimes of professional Christian ministry. That, that, that's a unique calling that God has put on my family. Some of you uh, may have people in ministry in your families. Um, Doug and Sally Peters, for example, their daughter Christelle is a worship director, and she's actually candidating at a church this morning. We were praying for her this morning. Uh, some of you have sons and daughters in missions around the world and serving as pastors. That's a, that's a great thing. There's no greater joy than serving the Lord in ministry. But each and every one of us, regardless of what our kids or grandkids do, each of us, has the opportunity to invest in the generations under us, in the family that God has given us, and inspire them with a vision of what it is to live for the Lord, to inspire them with a vision of the joy of serving God in whatever capacity or calling he gives them in their lives. There, there's no greater joy, friends, than living for the sake of the gospel. No matter what your profession or occupation, whether you're a homemaker or serving out in the workforce, there's no greater joy than investing in the next generation, leaving a legacy of faith. And today, as we turn to Genesis chapter 48, Jacob's final chapter in his life, as he is on his deathbed giving his final blessings to his family, we're going to see a really cool example, a great model of what it is to live, to leave a legacy of faith. Jacob did that throughout his life, but we see that especially here today in this final chapter. And I'm prayerful that as we look to Jacob's example, that we too will be encouraged in, in the ways that we can live to leave a legacy of faith in our families. I want to read our passage this morning. It's Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 22. And then I want to come back after reading the passage and highlight some of the ways we see in Jacob's, Jacob's example uh, how he left a legacy of faith, ways that we too can follow in our own lives, uh, learning from his model and example. I'm going to invite you to stand with us as we read the word this morning. Uh, it's great to have a chance to stretch our legs a little bit here, and uh, let's, uh, let's turn our hearts to God's word. Genesis chapter 48. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an eternal possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine." as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Paddan, to my sorrow Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger. 
and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed Joseph and said, The God before him whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. This is the word of God, and you may be seated. I find this to be just an incredible, incredible scene. Joseph coming to his father Jacob on his deathbed, bringing his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, seeking Jacob's blessing, and, and here what a beautiful picture we see of what leaving a legacy of faith looks like in the life of a family. We, we can learn much here from Jacob's example. And my prayer this morning is that we would see some of the powerful ways in this passage that Jacob instilled a legacy of faith in his kids and in his grandkids. In, in Jacob's example here in our passage, we learn three ways that we too can seek to leave a legacy of faith. Now, again, some of you here this morning have kids right now in your home directly under your care. Some of you here this morning are grandparents who have grandkids that you love and pray for regularly and are seeking to have an ongoing influence in their lives. Some of you here today may not have kids of your own, but every single one of us has the opportunity to make a spiritual investment in the next generation. And so there is something that each of us can learn here this morning from Jacob's example in terms of leaving a legacy of faith. The, the first thing we learn here in Jacob's example <clears throat> is we learn to model love to our children and grandchildren. Friends, it is so important for us when we desire to leave a legacy of faith in our families that we model love to our kids and our grandkids to those children that God brings into our lives to influence. Some of the ways that we can model love are, are seen very clearly here in Jacob's example in our passage this morning. For example, in verse 2, we see how Jacob modeled love by sharing his time with his family. I love how our passage starts out in Genesis chapter 48. Jacob is on his deathbed. You have to envision this. Here is this old man. Here's this old man, 140 years old, on his deathbed, and he is weak, he is frail, and he is told by his nurse, or whoever there is taking care of him, that Jacob and his sons have come to see you. And I love the description here in verse 2. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. The Hebrew word there for summoned can also be translated rallied. You, you get this picture of this, this old man, bedridden, weak and frail, mustering every bit of strength in his body, every bit of strength he had left to sit up and greet his family. Why? Because he would not miss this opportunity for the world. You see a picture here of a man who loved spending time with his kids and his grandkids. This was no one-off experience in Jacob's life. No, Jacob rallied his strength because there was nothing he would rather do than spend time with those he loved most in this world. 
My dad, when he used to speak, he would often share on, on the family and parenting. And one of the things that he would tell people is, uh, he would use this example of, how do you spell the word love? Do you know how to spell the word love? It's a four-letter word. And it's spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled time. One of the ways that we can most demonstrate our love to our children, our grandchildren, the, the kids that God brings into our lives to influence is by giving them our time. Some of my most cherished memories in my life are the times that I spent with my two grandpas. My grandpa Harold, I remember many visits out to Northern California when I was a little boy, and some of my favorite memories were when my grandpa would take myself and my younger brother to the local park, and we'd bring a, we'd bring a big loaf of bread, and we'd go down to the pond in the park, and we'd just sit there for hours feeding the ducks, hanging out with grandpa, talking with grandpa. I'll, I'll never forget those memories. I think of the many times growing up I spent with my mom's dad, my grandpa Kraus, who owned a hardware store and lumber yard up in northern Wisconsin, north of Green Bay. How in the summer times I loved nothing more than going to visit my grandpa because I would get to work in the hardware store with him. And I'd follow him around all day and he would give me his time, even in the midst of his day at work. He would show me how things worked, and he would let me run the cash register, and he'd let me help load lumber in customers' cars. And Man, I'll never forget those times I had spending time with my grandpas. They, they gave me that time because they recognized it was one of the ways that they could model love. We also see how Jacob modeled love to his children and grandchildren in sharing with them his touch. Jacob was not afraid to, to reach out and touch those he loved. In fact, in verses 8 through 10, when Jacob discovers that Joseph has brought his grandsons, Jacob says, please bring them to me. And we hear in our story here how, how Joseph took them off of his knee and, and handed them over to Jacob so that he could embrace them. And Jacob embraced them. Now, friends, get the picture here. These young men were about 20 years old at this point, Manasseh and Ephraim. And we have this vision of Jacob taking them off of his knee, passing them to his father, Jacob, to have Israel embrace these two boys, 20-year-old boys. Now, obviously, these 20-year-olds in Egypt back in 2500 BC were probably not young, big, strapping boys like we have here in the Chisago area. I mean, this was not Chase and Travis Cameron we're talking about here, all right? But Jacob embraced his grandsons. He loved to hug his family. Friends, we all need to share our touch in positive and appropriate ways with those we love. There's nothing more essential in conveying our love than to express it through a warm embrace. Touch is so important. It's, a, it's an essential human need from people from birth to death. Scientific studies have shown that infants and toddlers grow and, 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 and develop most wholly and, and fully when they are physically embraced and touched in positive ways. Even as adults, scientific studies have shown how oxytocin is released every time we experience physical touch with another person, a handshake, an elbow bump, touching somebody on the forearm, touching someone on the shoulder. Positive hormones are released in our body that lead to well-being, that, that fight against anxiety and despair and depression. God gave us this as a blessing. He wants us to touch one another in healthy and appropriate ways. We even know senior citizens do best when they are experiencing the warmth and blessing of human touch, even in their senior years. You know, friends, one of my greatest joys growing up as a kid was having a dad who regularly hugged me. My dad was not afraid to demonstrate his love by giving myself and my brother hugs. Some of you guys might be thinking here, well, we don't, we don't hug in my family. We're, you know, that's just not who we are. I want to encourage you, friends, that might not be your heritage, but you can start a new tradition even today. Don't be afraid to hug your kids. Don't be afraid to demonstrate your love for them by embracing them, by putting your arm around them and, and showing them that physical affection. It's so important to demonstrate our love. We, we then see how Jacob in verses 11 and 15 through 16 tells his family of his love for them. 
This was a guy who modeled love in all of these ways, in time, in touch, in telling them of his love. Jacob here verbally speaks his love for his family. He, he shares with Joseph how overwhelmed he was in, in believing he was never going to see him again. And now God has blessed me with your return and given me 17 years here in Egypt with you. He tells him how much that meant to him. He speaks his love and, and blessing to Jacob's grants, to his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Friends, it is so important for us to share words of love and affirmation with our children. Some of my greatest memories growing up, my grandpa Carlson, one of his famous phrases, he used to say to all of us grandkids, I'm for you, I'm for you. I, I can hear his voice in my head telling me, I'm for you, Jason. I, I think of all the times my dad, growing up, said to me and my brother, Jason, Jared, we're pals. And what do pals do? And we would always reply, we stick together. We stick together. I'll never forget those memories. I, I think of all the times my mom and dad growing up told me how proud they were of me. Even to this very day, my mom still tells me, Jason, I'm so proud of you. Friends, those words of love and affirmation mean the world to me. And you know what? I never once doubted my parents' love for me growing up because they regularly modeled this love in their time and their touch and in telling me their love for me. You know, friends, nothing in our passage here today when we see Jacob's example would lead us to believe that what he modeled here on his deathbed was foreign to the rest of his life. We, we get the picture of a man here in Jacob who modeled this kind of love consistently throughout his life. And we see the fruit of his consistent love in the way that Joseph and his sons responded in love for their patriarch. Joseph, Manasseh, Ephraim returned the love of Jacob because it was so natural in what they had experienced from him. Friends, one of the best ways we can leave a legacy and faith in our families is by modeling love to our kids and our grandkids and to those children that God brings into our lives to influence. Let, let's seek to follow Jacob's example in modeling love. Uh, a, a second way that we can learn to leave a legacy of faith from Jacob's example here today is we can testify to God's faithfulness in our lives. We can testify to God's faithfulness in our lives. Friends, this is so important as we seek to leave a legacy of faith. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you a complainer or a proclaimer? Are you a complainer or a proclaimer? You know, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are the kinds of people who go through life each and every day complaining about how difficult life is, how bad they've got it, how their circumstances never go their way, and they just complain and complain and complain. There are other people in our world who, instead of being complainers, are proclaimers. And they go through life, even in the midst of the hardships and trials of life, proclaiming God's goodness, proclaiming God's faithfulness, proclaiming their hope in God's plans and purposes and, and overjoicing, rejoicing in his amazing grace. Friends, are you a complainer or a proclaimer? You know, I want you to think with me this morning, what do we communicate to our kids if all they ever hear from us is complaining? What do we communicate to our kids about God if all they ever hear from us is complaining? God's not faithful. God's not good. God's not trustworthy. God doesn't care about us. Friends, why would anybody ever want to follow a God like that? See, choosing to be a proclaimer is so important when it comes to leaving a legacy of faith. Our kids need to hear from us testimonies of God's faithfulness in our lives. And here in our passage this morning, we see this in Jacob so clearly. God had worked in Jacob's life over the past 17 years. And during this time, Jacob had moved from being a complainer to a proclaimer. Do you remember last week, chapter 47, when Jacob is brought into Pharaoh? And Pharaoh asks Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob says that he is, I forget at the time, 117, 130 years old. He says, how many are the days of your life? Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of sojourning are 130 years. 
And then he goes on and he says, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. 17 years earlier, Jacob was a complainer. He looked on his life and he saw nothing but hardship and trial and trouble. But over the last 17 years, God had been working in Jacob's life. Jacob had been transformed during this period, and he began to look back on his life and recognize all of the ways that God had blessed him over the years, all of the ways that God had been faithful over the years. And Jacob now on his deathbed was no longer a complainer. He is now a proclaimer testifying to God's faithfulness. We see Jacob proclaiming God's faithfulness in three ways in our passage this morning. Number one, he proclaims God's faithfulness as our good shepherd. In verses 15 and 21, Jacob proclaims that God has been his shepherd all the days of his life. And in verse 21, he tells his kids, and God will be your shepherd too. God will take care of you too. Jacob declares in our passage to Joseph and his grandsons that God had always been faithful. He had always led him faithfully as his shepherd. He shares here stories on his deathbed, how twice in his life God appeared to him at Luz, the the city we know as Bethel, affirming to Jacob his covenantal promises over his life. Jacob shares with his grandsons and Joseph how God had been with him in his time of greatest sorrow when his beloved wife Rachel had died. God hadn't left him. He was there as his good shepherd. Jacob shares how God had miraculously allowed him to see Joseph again. I never thought I'd see your face. And now I've seen you and your grandsons, and God has proven himself faithful. Jacob testifies how time and time again God had been faithful. And as I said a moment ago in verse 21, he assures his family that the God who had been faithful to him would also prove himself faithful to them. Joseph said, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Jacob wanted Joseph and his grandsons to know that God is our good shepherd. Friends, our children and grandchildren, they need to be reminded every day that the Lord is our shepherd, that he's faithful, that he's good, that we can trust in him. And then secondly, Jacob proclaims God's faithfulness by testifying that he is our redeemer. In verse 16, Jacob declares, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. Who is this angel that has redeemed Jacob? How can an angel redeem anyone? We don't don't experience redemption at the hands of angels. What is Jacob talking about here, friends? Well, Jacob here is referring not to just any angel. He's referring to the angel of the Lord the angel of the Lord, who appears all throughout the Old Testament in numerous settings. One of the interesting passages in the book of Genesis is Genesis chapter 32, where we read of how Jacob one evening spent an entire night wrestling with an angel, one who looked like the son of a man, the son of man. At the end of that experience wrestling with this angel, Jacob says to his family in Genesis 32, 30, So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Who was the angel Jacob wrestled with? The angel Jacob wrestled with was none other than God himself, the Son of God. What Jacob is explaining here is what theologians describe as a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, one of, uh, one of the three members of the Trinity, is part of the eternal Godhead, and he appeared numerous times in the Old Testament to his people before we knew who he was as the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jacob here shares that he had wrestled with this angel. This angel was the one who redeemed him. This angel was the one who gave him a new name, who gave him an eternal blessing. This angel, friends, was none other than a pre-incarnate than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Jacob shared this testimony with his family, with his loved ones. Now, we see this here in just one sentence, but I guarantee you this was probably one of his grandson's favorite stories. Grandpa, tell us again about the time you wrestled the angel. Tell us again about the angel who redeemed you, Grandpa, who delivered you from evil, who gave you a new name, 
who gave you the covenantal promises, the eternal blessings. Tell us that story, Grandpa. Friends, I'll tell you something. Our kids, our grandkids need to hear our testimonies. We need to share the testimonies of our redemption with our children. We need to share with them how God has delivered us and redeemed us from our sins and giving us new life. If we want to leave a legacy of faith, friends, there's no better way to do that than to share how God has transformed our lives. Jacob then goes on and proclaims God's, faithful, God's faithfulness by testifying to God's amazing grace. He testifies to God's amazing grace. The, the centerpiece of our story here is verses 13 through 20, where we see Jacob giving his blessing to Manasseh and Ephraim. And it's an unusual scene because Joseph presents his boys to Jacob, and, and he presents Manasseh to Jacob's right hand, which was the hand of blessing for the firstborn, and he presents Ephraim, the second son, to his left hand. He wants Manasseh to have the blessing because Manasseh is the firstborn. That's what everyone would expect. The firstborn should receive the favored blessing. But Jacob crosses his hands. And he gives the blessing of the firstborn, not to Manasseh, but to the second son, Ephraim. We were studying this passage Tuesday morning in our staff meeting, and Jim Malco, our building administrator, after reading the passage, said, why did he do that? Why did he do that? That's a good question. Friends, have you wondered why he crossed his arms? Why did he switch the blessing? Well, friends, Jacob did this providentially directed by God to demonstrate God's amazing grace and to highlight the reality that our election, our blessings, and our salvation are always a gift of God. These things, friends, are not based on any merit on our part. And throughout Scripture, God repeatedly demonstrates to us that he does not choose the most deserving in the eyes of the world. It's not the firstborn, it's not the most talented, it's not the most promising, the hardest worker. Not at all, friends. God's grace operates solely on the basis of his sovereign choice. Why? To shame the wisdom of the world and to humble us before him. The Apostle Paul describes this reality in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. Paul says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying that God doesn't show favorites. God doesn't give his grace on the basis of our earning it, our merit, our work. No, God's grace and favor is simply a gift. It's an act of blessing. It's an act of favor. And friends, we need to teach our kids about God's amazing grace, a grace that cannot be earned but must be received by humbly submitting our lives to him. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. God gives us his grace freely as a gift. He does it to humble us. He does it to show the world that what they think is foolish. What do you mean you're not blessing the firstborn? What do you mean you don't give favor to the strong? What do you mean you don't give favor to the one who works and earns it? God says, no, that's not how I work. My grace is a gift. And he gives us this amazing grace that can only be received by humbly submitting our lives to him. Thirdly, this morning, as we think about how we can leave a legacy of faith, when we look at Jacob's example, we see Jacob pointing to God's priorities for his people. Friends, it's so important as we seek to leave a legacy of faith that we point our kids and our grandkids and those children and young ones in our lives to God's priorities for us and for our lives. Jacob, in word and deed, pointed his family to what God desires most for his children. What are these things? Number one, he points out the fact that God wants us to be counted among his people. God wants us to be counted among his people. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is your greatest desire for your children? 
What's your greatest desire for your children today? That they get into a good college? That they one day have a lucrative career? That they have a blessed and happy marriage and family life? Friends, those are all good hopes and desires. And I want you to think about this. Jacob's grandsons, they had the potential for all of those things in Egypt. They were princes of Egypt. Their dad was the number two guy in all of Egypt. They lived in the palaces of Egypt. They had all the privileges and blessings. They could choose any bride they want. They could have any job they want. It was all laid out before them. But friends, there was something that Jacob wanted even more for his grandsons than the material blessings of this world. Jacob wanted his grandsons to be counted among the people of God. And so in verse 5, we see Jacob adopting Ephraim and Manasseh as his own, identifying them with God's chosen people. Ephraim and Manasseh are now mine. They're part of the nation of Israel. They're part of the family of God. That was his greatest desire for his grandkids, to see them become part of God's people. Friends, there should be no greater goal in our lives than to see our children and grandchildren counted among the people of God. And I'll tell you something, there is literally nothing, nothing greater you could give your children and grandchildren in this life than a full, biblical, and compelling understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news. What is that good news? God saves sinners. All of us are sinners who fall short of the glory of God, but God in his amazing grace has offered us a path to salvation and new life with him through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And when we trust in him, he promises us to to cleanse us of our sins, to bring us into his presence as his children. He makes us a new creation. He gives us the eternal inheritance that is ours because of Jesus. Friends, that's the gospel we need to share with our kids. And just a quick side note on this point. Did you notice in our passage this morning how Manasseh and Ephraim, how they responded to Joseph's desire to adopt them into his family? Ephraim and Manasseh, did you notice? They didn't protest Grandpa Jacob adopting them one bit, did they? Here here were these two young men, 20 years old, princes in Egypt, with all the privileges and blessings of Egypt at their grasp out before them, And now the despised shepherd, Jacob, in the eyes of the Egyptians, is adopting them to become one of the despised people, the shepherding people, the Israelites. And these two young princes of Egypt, they don't rebel against this. They don't protest. No, no, I don't want to be a part of this family. I want to be part of the family in Egypt. Why didn't they rebel, friends? I think it's because Grandpa Jacob had so loved them over the past 17 years and had so modeled a life of confident faith in God that there was obviously no other place they'd rather be than to be counted as one of God's people. What a great example for us. What a great model for us as we seek to leave a legacy of faith. Jacob then points, in God, pointing to God's priorities for his people, he points how we need to trust in God's sovereign will. And friends, this is such an important point this morning. In verse 19, we see Jacob blessing his grandsons. He crosses his hands. He gives the blessing of the firstborn to Ephraim. The blessing of the secondborn goes to Manasseh, who was the firstborn. Joseph protests this. Not that way, Father. And Jacob says, I know, my son, I know. And then explains God's purposes in doing this. You know, I'm sure a lot of us here this morning can relate to Joseph's protest. Not that way, Father. Joseph wanted the blessing to go to his firstborn. How many times do we go through life and have experiences where we think God is making a mistake? We think God is is getting it all wrong. Not that way, Father, this way. And we protest what God is doing in our lives. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's financial struggles or a lost job, and you're saying, no, not that way, Father. Maybe it's a a marriage that is on the rocks or has fallen apart, and you say, not that way, Father. Maybe it's a, a battle with infertility, and you say, no, not that way, Father. 
Friends, we won't always understand God's will for our lives. But Jacob's response to Joseph reminds us that we must continue to trust in the Lord in all things because God is always faithful and his plans for us are always good. I want to share a word of encouragement this morning with you parents and grandparents here today who may be a bit discouraged when you think of the current spiritual condition of your family. I know for some of you here today, a message of this nature is especially hard because some of you have attempted to do do everything right as godly parents or grandparents, and yet you have seen your kids stray from the Lord or walk away from your family's love. I was talking recently to a brother, a free church pastor, who his adult son today is serving a 10-year prison sentence. This was a This is a man of God, faithful shepherd of his church for years and years, raised his family well, loved his kids, did everything right, and yet his adult son strayed from the Lord and found himself in trouble with the law. You know something? Many faithful parents have experiences and have experienced the hurt of their kids' rebellion against the Lord. That's not uncommon for God's people. But what's the answer? What's God's answer to your hurt today? Like Jacob to Joseph, I know, my son, I know. God says, I know. God says, I know your hurt. I know your discouragement. I know your questions. But friends, there's nothing that enters into our lives that isn't first father-filtered. God says, I know. I know, my son, I know. And we need to keep trusting him. We need to keep loving our children faithfully even when it's hard. And we need to keep praying in hope. Last night I was exchanging some text messages with my friend Christopher Yuan, who spoke here this past February at our apologetics conference. And it was very interesting. He just texted me out of the blue, and I had been studying this passage and studying the reality of Jacob encouraging Joseph to simply trust God's sovereign will. And I couldn't help but think of Angela Yuan during all those years of Christopher straying from the Lord, finding himself in prison for dealing drugs, finding himself HIV positive, and all along his faithful mother never stopped praying, never stopped trusting, never stopped believing. God says, I know, my son. I know, my daughter. I know you're hurt. I know your discouragement. I know your questions. But friends, never give up hope. Never give up the faith. Lastly, this morning, Jacob points to God's priorities for his people, the priority that we would keep our eyes on his promises. You know, one of the ways that we can leave a legacy of faith is by pointing our kids and grandkids to the amazing promises God has given us. Jacob ends his blessing here by giving a blessing to Joseph. He says to Joseph, I'm leaving you a portion in the land, the land of promise. I've given you, verse 22, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the Amorites. That term, one mountain slope, in the Hebrew is the word Shechem. It's the area of Shechem, which is is in the central hill country of Israel. It was part of the tribe of Ephraim, the tribe that received the blessing of the firstborn, the tribe that would go on to become a great nation. In fact, it was the tribe that would one day become the nation, the northern kingdom of Israel. And Jacob gives Joseph this region known as Shechem. Why would he give his son, the the prince of Egypt, the second in command of Egypt, a portion in the promised land? It's because... Jacob wanted his son Joseph to remember that Egypt is not our home. The promised land is our home. And one day you too will return to the land that God has promised us. Friends, in leaving a legacy of faith for our kids and grandkids, we need to remind them each and every day that this world is not our home. We need to remind them of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns today and one day is coming again for his people. Jesus is coming back. And we need to remind our kids that we have an eternal inheritance awaiting us in heaven that far outshines any of the greatest things in this world. We need to hold these promises up to our families. My dad used to say to my brother and I, kids, live with eternity's values in view. We need to live with eternity's values in view. 
and we need to point our kids to those great hopes, those great promises. I shared with you earlier how I'm a fifth-generation Christian minister. Sometimes people have asked me, well, Jason, do you want your kids to one day go into ministry, Caleb and Addie? You know what I say to that? I say that would be awesome. What a blessing if they would follow in our footsteps and God would call them into ministry. But you know what? Regardless of the occupation that God one day calls them into, you know what I want most for my kids, Caleb and Addie? I want them to see in my life and to learn from my life that there is nothing greater in this world than living for the Lord. Doesn't matter what your calling is, doesn't matter what your occupation is, there's nothing greater than living for the Lord. Friends, I pray that you share that hope for your kids and for your grandkids. And I pray that you will join me in seeking to follow Jacob's example and leaving a legacy of faith for those that God has put in our lives. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this powerful testimony that we see here in Jacob's life today. His final conversation with Joseph and his grandsons, demonstrating his love for them, testifying to your faithfulness, pointing them to your priorities for their lives. God, I pray that we would seek to follow his model and live out this example in our own lives each and every day in the lives of our children, in our grandchildren, in the kids in our neighborhood, and the kids that God brings into our lives. Lord, help us love them faithfully in word and in deed so that they might see the great God that we have and want nothing more than to live for him as well. Lord, help us to be a people who live to leave a legacy of faith. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, why don't you stand and join me for our benediction this morning. It comes from the book of Ephesians. I think it's a fitting word for today. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, I'm going to ask you to stay where you are until the elder or the ushers come and dismiss you. Thank you for joining us this morning. May God bless you and have a tremendous week. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.